You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. You're listening to Mike on the Mic on GGR Pirate Radio. I'm full, and yet I know if I stop eating this, I'll regret it. It's four-leaf clover. Make a wish. Wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. This is called Pirate Radio. And now, your host, Mike Luxford. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this is Mike on the Mic. We've got a very special episode, a subject near and dear to my heart. If you're asking me about the things that I love the most, as far as like franchises, those sorts of things, IPs, those those types of things, this trek always is at the top. It always has been, it always will be. It's just one of my favorite things. And... In recent years, we've gotten a lot more Star Trek content, and it's been awesome. We got Star Trek Discovery, both season one and season two. But then the big one, the one that nobody expected, we got Jean-Luc Picard himself. Patrick Stewart came back to do a series about the rest of Jean-Luc Picard's life, essentially. Uh, And we got our first season, and it's all complete. Uh, It's Star Trek Picard. You guys can check it out on CBS All Access. We're going to be doing a podcast about that today. And I brought on somebody who, as far as GGR is concerned, is one of our uh, Picard experts. Uh, what we did was uh, myself and our yet-to-be-named guest on this episode, uh, we split duties on doing the reviews for the episodes of Star Trek Picard uh, for Season 1. Uh, you've seen some of his other stuff, too. He reviews video games on GGR for us, uh, also does some other TV shows and movies as well. Uh, he goes by the opaque senator when he's on Twitter, but in real life, you can just call him Russ Brown. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh, course, yes, man. those are all names I go by. <laughs> exactly right. As my dad was is fond of saying, as long as you don't call me late for dinner, then we're good. Yeah, that and Rusty. Avoid those two. We're good to go. Rusty? Yeah, I could see that. I feel like Rusty's only only for like guys with red hair and beards. Like this is the only <laughs> people you can call Rusty. It, it, it stems from uh, my dad and I have the same name. My grandfather and I have the same name, although yeah. we, all, we all have different middle names. My grandmother would always call my dad Rusty, and that's just oh. like, nope, that's the one name. You call me anything else. Uh, you can even call me late for dinner, but I will just don't <laughs> call me that. <laughs> oh, I got man. So we're here to talk about Star Trek Picard. We're talking about the first season of this series. Uh, you wrote the review for the final episode. Um you did, I mean, if we're breaking it down, we, we, we pretty much went halvesies on it. Like, I think yeah. I did five, you did five. Um, and I'm working on, like, kind of a recap of the whole season thing, but it, it's a lot to unpack. So it's it's taken me some, some time to do that. But what better way than talking about it to help yeah. kind of, one, help me write this, but two, also, not everybody likes to read articles. Sometimes they like to just hear two idiots talk about Star Trek. So that's what we're here for. We're going to be those two idiots talking about Star Trek. Happy to provide um, the idiocy. <laughs> hey, you, there you go. There you go. You know, like we're not one to discriminate. We'll give you idiocy whenever you ask for it. Um, overall, like if you were going to give me like one to five stars, five being, you know, a cinematic masterpiece, one being um, just absolute garbage that you wouldn't recommend to anybody watch. What, where would you say Picard falls for season one? Um, I, I firmly put it into the four star category for sure. Um it's probably one of the better shows I've gotten to see from a technical standpoint, uh, as far as completing an actual story arc, um, 
very few like really loose like plot threads i mean there's definitely obviously we'll get into some of our things a little later like with the issues and such but i mean i felt like it was pretty stellar in the sense interstellar no <laughs> uh, i thought it was pretty stellar in the way that they uh they put the whole show together i uh and i think it's very um pertinent commentary for the things that are going on around us in real life, which I think is the essence of Star Trek. It's very much always been a product of its time uh, in so many different ways. And, and the arcs they take, the, sto- the storylines, the characters, uh, the issues they tackle just in a science fiction standpoint. And I think Picard has done a fantastic job of bringing these things into like a modern day for us, but a, it's modern day Federation and as far and uh, the things that they're dealing with. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. And, and as a matter of fact, like I'll give any of those who are going to read my article eventually a preview here. That's one of the things that I I state is that is part of what makes this show so good is that it's not just straight up. Here's some ships in space flying around, blowing each other up. Here's some aliens, and that's about it. No, there's a lot of commentary going on, and like I kind of, I kind of, um, like dog ear some of the pages there as far as like what they're they're tackling, and they talk about like how religion and science coexist, like what the role of government is when it comes to moral choices when they've been infiltrated, the government that is, uh, when the government's been infiltrated by religious fanatics, and how important it is to do what's right even when the government fails to do so. Uh, it's also about how wide-reaching restrictions and bans can have unforeseen consequences. Uh, obviously, we're referencing what happened with uh, Troy and Riker's uh, son. But, like, that's something that that's really, really important. But also, too, something that, like, a lot of people didn't notice, and maybe they, maybe they don't care, and God, I hope that's not the case. But it's something that Star Trek Discovery did as well in Season 1, is they're dealing with the trauma that members of the military have to deal with. And it's something that, like, has only been lightly brushed on before with Star Trek. Because ultimately, your Starfleet officers are all members of the military. And they see some pretty gruesome shit. And this is the first time I can remember that Star Trek really, like, really, like, dove deep into that and let you see what these people... Because they're still humans. That's the thing. And, like, yes, we've, quote-unquote, evolved to a certain point. But the human mind is the human mind, ultimately. And, like, we only can process trauma so much and that we can't just be like well that'll be fine let's just move on and you know engage warp engines so that was something i really thought was very thoughtful and honestly too like very well done in the way that they handled uh the way that these characters including picard the way that they handled trauma or their lack of handling of trauma yeah they really hit all of the different not all obviously there's a lot of ways people process and address grief trauma all that but i think they hit a lot of the big like ideas with it like the way picard handles it the way uh raffi handles it the way rios handles it um the way seven of nine handles it like they i mean I, i was really happy i got to write the review for episode six where picard goes back to the board cube um and just that entire that entire scene was just so powerful. I mean, you, he's he's in there. He's he, he knows what he has to do. Like leading up to it, the buildup was like just right. Where he's like going back and researching and like, all right, let me get myself back in this mindset. Let me figure out how I'm gonna deal with it. And then he gets in there and he's just completely like, no matter how much he prepares himself, no matter how much he tries to like get ready for this, 
the the minute he the second he's back on that board cube board cube and looking around and you just see him completely get overwhelmed by the memories the feelings and everything until like everything comes into focus and he sees Hugh and they have that embrace and it's like Hugh kind of guides him through like not only is he guiding him through this very complex and crazy board cube but like guiding him through his trauma and the way that he addressed it which again even another little way, like, how did Hugh address this trauma? What is he doing? He threw himself right back in the middle of it and is trying to help others, like, address their trauma and their um, enslavement. Um, yeah. And I think uh, just, you know, a complimentary point to that is just the treatment of the Borg in this series. I mean, we've seen a number of Star Trek series between Voyager, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. Uh, you know, the Borg are like that looming, powerful, just ridiculous enemy that could just wipe out, you know, human life or any life almost at any point. And they're just this, you know, I, Picard says it. Um, they are, they are like a, a cancer that metastasizes. That's what yeah. they are. That's what all they are. And I mean, they really humanize them and they look at them. It's like, well, yeah, the people that are leading the Borg, the, the Borg queen, yeah, they're the problem. But like the majority of the Borg and the collective are just slaves. Like they were completely like taken over and, and mind warped and like they are not like they are not what the Borg queen is. And like the way they address just the Borg and taking this very, uh, you know, this huge threat and this ominous presence and really give it like a identity and in the sense that they don't have identities anymore. It's giving it an identity and giving them and giving the Borg drones like this. Hey, this is all they are. These are people that were basically uh, taken over and mutated, not all on that, like not all on like the, you know, child soldiers in Africa and some of these places, like some of these warlords and such that would do these things to kids. Like they give them the one thing that they give them their sole purpose. And that's all these kids end up becoming. They're just kids and they're doing terrible things, but it's because of the circumstances around them. And I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It was the first time that you actually rooted for the Borg. Like, when yeah. when they come through the transwarp conduit uh, right above um, the android planet and uh, Narek, who oh god, we'll talk about him in a second. Yeah. I gotta give I gotta give props to that dude. Whoever played whoever played Narek and uh, Harry something or other, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Treadaway, um, I think. Or something Harry, like yeah, Harry Treadaway. He plays slimy and smarmy so well. He was so gross in that because you just like, but he did it so well. And like, as soon as he came through that conduit right behind La Serena, I was like, I really hope that like somebody's catch that the board cube comes through. I was like, Oh, Narek, you are fucked now, buddy. And yeah, I was actually rooting for the Borg, but you're, they're not really the Borg. It's seven in control of the XBs. And like, yeah, it really, it really did. It humanized the Borg. There were no longer this, this unstoppable onslaught. And you realize that they're just, that they're slaves. They have no choice in the matter. And yeah, you you do you feel sympathy for him, but then you also the thing that got me it was I want to say it was um it might have been the fourth episode I'm trying to remember which one it was it was the one where we first see Seven when they take uh, Icheb and I I wrote the review for that one but yeah. basically there was there's an entire black market of selling Borg parts on like throughout the galaxy because people yeah. want the um the alterations and things that have been done and. It was ugh, God. It, it still like turns my stomach a little bit just thinking about it because that poor kid basically got butchered for his parts. There's zero to to maybe very small fraction of any sympathy for the Borg 
in the universe yes. because people have all been beaten down and assimilated and destroyed by them so that if somebody is a former Borg, they still have no compassion for them. And it was just like, I think that might've been one of the most gut wrenching scenes of the entire series was like seven comes and finds Icheb and he's basically dying after that doctor like butchered him to remove his cortical implant, which he doesn't even have. Cause he gave it to seven to save her life. And yeah. like, it, her holding him like as he died like oh god that was rough mm. dude like but yeah the, and, the, it really, and they start they, the episode with that that was yeah, the part like, there's like <laughs> they didn't go up to that it's like hey yeah. seven hey cool seven nines here this is awesome and, oh shit like <laughs> there was there was zero chill there was yes. like none at all they were like i hope you <laughs> hope you put your drink down first because yeah. <laughs> I had not. I was actually eating. I was eating dinner. And I, but yeah, that happened. I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, like it was it was a really intense scene. But like it's like you said, dealing with trauma. We saw seven deal with her trauma in a different way. But also like the re, like dealing with revenge, because we had seen this once with Picard as well in Star Trek First Contact. Yes. Because he wanted revenge against the Borg. And like that was the other thing that was that was. And we'll talk about this in a little bit, but like, I almost feel like he, it's not that he was a different character. It's that they, it, there was more depth mm. to him. For, this for, time for, for Picard you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Because in, in the movies and, and we'll, we'll discuss this too, because we both agree that like the movies were, well, like first contact, I think was like a work of art. It's one of the best Star Trek movies sure. ever. Um, they mishandled a lot of these characters and basically the movies were an were, were basically an excuse to take Picard and turn him into an action hero and just have him swashbuckling across planets and doing various things. And like Riker kind of got like kind of Mary sued and just like pushed it aside. And, yeah. And that's, that's something I wanted to get into a little later too. It's just, yep. it, we, we finally get the Riker that like the Riker from TNG 20 years later, like the, the way he should have he the way he should have been and his the you know the the character he should have been the actions he would have taken like that's the, that was a character i loved seeing um who i honestly i mean especially early tng like i really didn't care for him a lot and i got like he grew on me as the as the series went on which i'm not sure if everyone had the same uh pathway with him that i did but i I really, really enjoy. I didn't like him in the movies because, again, they really didn't have anything to do. Um, yeah. And then when we get to Picard and just to kind of see him um, and just see like who he is and, you know, he's a family man now. He's grown up, but he has a lot of experience and wisdom. Um, he's kind of like where Picard was when Picard was running the Enterprise almost yeah. like still he's experienced, but he's not beaten down yet. Like yeah. in in the same sense, you know, he's had tra he he's had experience, especially with the, with uh, the death of his child, his oldest child, and all that. But like he ha he hasn't been beaten down by the world yet, and he has he found he you know he has Troy, he has another child, he has every he has things around him to keep him centered and such, which I think Picard is what what Picard lost. I see that I saw that whole episode as like in the penth. I saw that whole episode as like not only were, was you know Riker counseling him and and just having. Uh, um, Picard's back but like I think Picard kind of saw you know what could be and what like a possibility with um, 
uh, Soji could be. Like, hey, Soji could be the what Troy and uh, what Troy is to uh, Riker, just in a different way. Like it, that familial yeah. thing that he's been missing. Troy, the Riker, um, uh, Kestra was their daughter's name. Kestra, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I couldn't think of the name. I, that's yeah. bad. I couldn't think of the name. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's it, it's a team it's a team effort here, bud. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But like um, overall, yeah. I mean, I think we're both we're both in agreement that like if we're giving this a rating, I mean, it's, it's high. It's a high rated show. I I would. I'm in the same vein as you. I'm giving this at least four stars. I'm probably giving it a little bit more. I'm probably giving it like four and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, The only issue that I had with the series overall was I feel like they cheapened and holy shit. um, If you're already into this and you didn't hear at the beginning when I did the intro that there's a spoiler alert for this. uh, Yeah. Stop listening right now because this (laughs) is the biggest spoiler of them all. Yeah. They cheapened the death of of Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, no, I, I, I was still processing when I wrote my review yeah. of the episode what I thought about the whole go- the golem the golem and the yeah. um like him, yeah like che- him cheating death basically. Um, oh yeah, it's it's just like how you would be, and you know uh, it doesn't have any enhancements. It's it's basically a human, and you know we yeah. don't want you to adjust to anything crazy. But you're an android, you know. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, okay, I literally, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll read the part that I wrote in, in, in the review that, that I'm still working on because there were two scenes. There was that, which that irritated the shit out of me because again, you cheapen his death because you make him die. You have this emotional scene. And honestly, like how ballsy would that have been if the writers were like, we're going to have a second season of Picard and Picard's not even going to be in it. Or you only get him as like data was that digital version where they can go to him essentially like in the holodeck for like support and guidance. He could be an EMH, but he's dead. You know, they like scan his brain like that really irritated me because it's like, well, now he's dead. Wait, no, he's not dead. He's a robot. But wait, no, he's not a robot. He's a super realistic robot that basically is going to like degrade. It's like those files that you get where it's like, hey, download this thing. And then after two weeks, it's going to be, you know, it's going to turn to crap because it won't be usable anymore. Like (laughs) that's essentially what they're doing with him. And it's like, well, then why kill him in the first place? Why write that brain abnormality thing into the season if you're just going to bring him right back? And now he's an extra special android that just dies anyways. It's. It's that should have done. That should have been handled one of two ways, in my opinion. I think either a, the timeline for all, for his death, quote unquote, should have been much more extended than it was just over this season. Like, if this is something that he's like, hey, it's here and it's something they set up, but like season two and three, which they ordered before they even really aired Picard yeah. season one, uh, yeah. so they knew this was going to happen anyway. So like, this could have been something that he dealt with like season two and three. Like as it got worse, like, hey, we planted this in, you know, episode one and two as like a thing he's going to deal with. Maybe have one or two small instances where like, hey, Picard has a headache and he gets a little grouchy or whatever, you know, and that but he doesn't actually deal with the fallout from this until, you know, seasons from now. And we can come back and reference this point, which, again, would be a really cool arc to build into these smaller arcs that were these season long arcs that we saw with, you know, dealing with trauma and data and all that kind of stuff. But or the other thing I, I could have seen them doing is um picard do do everything as you did have picard and the golem and everything like that but he's not quite there like there are things missing and then season two you go in and you're like picard yeah he's on la serena and he has you know a lot of his functionality maybe uh, maybe give him an enhancement or two you know maybe not and i may not necessarily like strength like that but an enhancement or two maybe processing or something like that but like he's trying to find almost like stuff (laughs) yeah almost like data 
uh, during TNG was trying to figure out how to be human again. Picard's trying to figure out who he was again. Like, you know, he maybe in season season two, episode one, Picard makes a very un Picard like like decision, and it costs it causes a big problem that they can have to deal with through the season. But like Picard realizes, wait, I'm not me. What is like, you know, for the first time, you know, he, he he hears he's not him, but he feels like him. And then like this, some event happens at the start of the next season. And he's like, crap, I need to figure out what is me and what isn't me. And then you can kind of make your way through like, you know, he goes back to war. If he goes back to Jordy, he goes, you start bringing these other characters in. It's like, no, this is who you are. Hey, this is who you are. But that's not you. That's not what. And then there's also this. Well, not everybody's seen him as he's aged. So. Who is Picard 20 years after most of the crew has been, you know, dealing with him every day? I think that would have been a really interesting route to take. Yeah, it's and I and I agree. And like it's yet to be seen because there's still a season two and a season three potentially. Sure. Like so maybe there's a plan for all of this and maybe there is going to be some backlash from that or like there's going to be some consequences. But like it just again, if you're just going to bring him back, like I guess we're for that one before. And that's why I'm still giving it a four point five, because mm-hmm. It was still good overall, and you have to wait until the whole thing plays out. And, like, I will say this. At one one point, I was really upset with that weird little purple device that they had where it was like, just imagine the fix and it'll fix it. And I was mad mad about that at first because I was like, well, that's a really – that's a MacGuffin. It's bullshit. But then I I did a little bit of reading because I I remembered – a quote, and I couldn't remember who it was from. And the quote says, any sufficient advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. That's from Arthur C. Clarke, like the grandfather of science fiction writing. Like when you write a really good science fiction story, you win an Arthur C. Clarke award. So when you say that, and then you see that the people on Coppelius have this incredible technology, the Android capabilities that they look human and they can do all this other amazing stuff that one kind of makes that problem go away because it's like, all right, fair enough. They're so technologically advanced that they can just fix anything just by thinking about it. Cool. We'll deal with it. You know, that's, that's a really interesting way. Like, Cause I was actually still mad about that. I'm like, come on, yeah. you can not come up with anything better than like, again, the average viewers and look at that and be like, well, that's just stupid. Like, Oh, I don't, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but you're not wrong. And I actually, that, that does what you were saying reminds me of a TNG episode where, uh, Picard and the crew, you know, of super like less advanced civilization, and he has this girl on the t- on the bridge of the Enterprise, and they look down at their planet, and he's trying to, exp- you know, oh, you're a god to me, you you are, you must be gods, you can fly in space, you can do all this, and he kind of yeah. takes her through, and he goes, well, you know, you guys can hunt, right? Yeah, you guys, you know, you have clothing, you can, you can, you know, yes. What if you, what if somebody from a previous generation saw you with like clothes and knitted? What would they think about you? And it was like, oh, you think we were like, they would think we were super advanced and gods or um, and he kind of gives her a look like yeah that's all the different we're just quite a few steps beyond that point but it's the same thing so yeah I, there's i can that's a, i'll give you that that's something i didn't hadn't thought of but it did as you said we're talking about that that's the episode i was thinking of or the moment i was thinking of yeah and 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 to your credit you did that kind of like throughout your review of the series like you, you mentioned um in your uh finale review um the parallels that that came with commodore o or general o or whatever the hell she is now um going up against Riker and how similar it was when uh picard would go up against uh the romulan i cannot remember his name right now tomalak yeah when him and tomalak would duke it out like that was it was exactly like you saw that he learned something from him 
but I also that was the one thing I loved about Riker too, and we'll go into that. Um, we'll each like I'll I'll talk about some of the stuff that I like. You can talk about some of the stuff you like, and then we'll go into some of the other negatives if there were any. Again, they fixed Riker, dude. Like the issues that we had with Riker in the movies were corrected, and we saw two different Rikers, two starkly different Rikers. One husband parent Riker. Like yes, he was a good dad. He seemed like he genuinely cared. Um, the way that Jonathan Frakes portrayed him though, there was there was something really interesting. I don't know if you noticed this or not. Like, I'm sure that he was always a really nice dad, but at the same time too, with Kestra, he was like almost overly nice. And that what that that reminds me of a parent child relationship when one of the other children has died. Because yes. there's no way you could possibly yell at this daughter. And Kestra didn't do anything that warrant getting yelled at, but like she basically is like running around with a bow and arrow acting like, you know, like, like she's like one of the lost boys from from Peter Pan. Yeah. Um, and like they don't really say anything about that. They're like, OK, cool. You almost shot John Luke Picard in the head with an arrow. No big deal. Like they, <laughs> it's it's kind of like the rules have gone out the, the window because of uh, Thad dying. And yes. again, that's super realistic. That is like exactly the kind of thing that would happen. And I just thought it was played so well, but also too when he's like he's making pizza, like <laughs> there there were <laughs> so many pizza. <laughs> there were so many great memes that came from that. But like he basically did exactly what Riker used to do on the good episodes of The Next Generation. So basically like season three to like season six. Those three seasons are like your money seasons. Um, he called Picard out on his bullshit. He's like, You're an arrogant asshole and you're treating her like crap. And you don't know a damn thing about being a parent and basically broke it down. And like, like Picard respected him enough because most other people just kind of kiss his ass because he's John Luke Picard. Yeah. And then like, we got to see the flip side of that too. We got to see Riker as a badass captain, like balls of steel. Like he's got an entire Romulan armada in front of him and he's got, you know, his own his own fleet of star of uh, starships as well. But he's like, please do something. I dare you. Like he's like he's like, give me the excuse to blow you to Kingdom Come. And it was Nothing like would make me happier. <laughs> yeah. Send your treacherous ass to hell. But the, <laughs> whatever, however he says it. But oh, yeah, no, I 100 percent. That was I think it's a really good way of looking at it. And so I, I, I think we talked before. So there's a there's a there's a side series on YouTube that Will Wheaton hosts called The Ready Room. Yes. Uh, highly recommend anyone who enjoys Picard. Uh, they spoil everything. So don't watch those first. But after you watch each episode, you can watch the episode tie into it. And uh, Wheaton has different cast and producers and on the show each 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 week for the episodes. And um, he had Jonathan Franks and. Jonathan Frakes and uh, Brent Spiner on uh, on the Nepenthe episode, and one of the things that really caught my attention, because he, he, he asked him, is he, he and Wheaton does a great job asking very good questions about character development and the series and all that, and the acting, per, you know, the acting and all that. And uh, he asked Frakes, he goes, you know, when you and Marina got back together and you saw these characters, like how much did you guys talk ahead of time? How much did you like really like? figure out hey what happened in the last 20 years and there and uh frank's kind of said he, he's like oh we took one look at the script and saw a lost a kid and we both like we didn't even talk about it we were like that's just we we know where these, these parents are <laughs> we know who these characters were we know what happened like 
we didn't even have to think about it. Um, he was more worried. The funny thing was he was more worried about acting in it uh, because he's like Marina's been on, you know, Broadway and she's kept acting. And, you know, uh, how many Even movies has Patrick yeah. Stewart made and how many, you know, all these young actors who are getting their teeth. He's like, I haven't actually done acting in years. Like, I'm like, I'm like am I going to be able to keep up? And I mean, just to hear him say that and then to see him both in the 10th episode and then at the finale, I was like, oh, boy, you still got it. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, and that's. That's something, and actually, like, just a quick aside on this. We were talking about, like, how he basically kind of got froze out of the Star Trek movies that they did, the Next Generation movies. Part of the reason for that is he, he directed First Contact and he directed Insurrection. So that explains some of that because yeah. he couldn't be on screen as much because he was behind the camera. Um, sure. No, I, but, yeah. I think part of that is, and the other part of that, too, is it's really difficult in an hour and a half to two hour movie to focus on however many characters um i think is the big challenge what the, the big challenge with star trek movies in general is you have these ensemble casts and during the course of a season you could focus in you can have a data episode you can have a Riker episode you can have a a geordie episode you can have a weird beverly crusher episode where she gets you know has sex with the space ghost great uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know in a movie you can't really you have to pick like what you want to focus on so there's a theme and so there's a and, you know, not that I th not that even that the net movies necessarily did that well, but you still have to like kind of zero in on some things. And I think you end up the the characters kind of become caricatures of themselves to serve the story or to serve like the main narrative of uh, the movies. So I think that's why the movies really struggled to kind of catch. You know, Riker of course would be a. Uh, uh, because he's, you know, he's the second in command, you know, there's, so, oh, he's second in command, he's only going to do what, you know, Picard tells him to do unless we have, like, a moment for him. You know, they'll try to write a scene in there, there here or there to kind of flesh that out or something like that. Oh, we can have a moment with Geordi, we can have a moment with Data, we can have, you know, but they don't, it's hard to, in that limited time frame, to tell a story and, like, hey, here's all the characters you love. Like, hey, like, that yeah. just doesn't, I don't think it works very well. It doesn't, and it's it's the advantage to, and, and I have said this on the website before, but like I've actually started to enjoy this, like essentially one giant movie. It's an eight-hour movie or a ten-hour movie that they've been doing with Star Trek, like Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, um, a lot of the other series that are on TV as well right now or on the streaming services. It's I enjoy a longer story. Movies are just there's too much to cram in. So like. A good example. We'll use um, the X-Men movies that have come out in the last like five years oh. because they've gotten crapped on big time. Oh, yeah. They're Save not, I mean, Logan. Yeah. <laughs> I think that if you were to take those and you were to stretch those out and you were to take like Dark Phoenix, for instance, and that's the other thing is they keep like forcing us to watch Dark Phoenix over and over <laughs> and over again when – you can't do that. You have to have an established Jean Grey. You can't have her in only one movie. We'd only gotten to see Sophie Turner once. And, and barely saw her. Like Exactly. Yeah. So, like, you can't, like, establish how good a character this is and then just be like, oh, yeah, by the way, she's evil. Um, but, like, if you had that as a series, as a 10-episode series, and you got a different season each year, you could establish that. Sure. But, like, it's it, – it, I'm enjoying this so much more. And like there are there are detractors. There are people who are saying with Star Trek, oh, I liked the serialized nature of it when it was in the 80s and the 90s where it's a, it's, a, you know, villain of the week or whatever. The, what they're missing with that is, is the reason why they didn't tell a cohesive story before was not because they thought that that was better. 
No, they did that because they had to, because that's the way television was done, because not everybody could DVR it. Not everybody could record it with a VCR. Not everybody could stream and and, uh, binge watch the entire thing. The 80s and 90s were set up like that because you couldn't do that, because if people were out of the story and they had missed like four or five episodes, then they were out of the series. They were like, I forget it. Just I'm, I'm done. So by doing it like that, you could have new people come in at any point and catch it and, and, and still enjoy it. But now we live in the world that we live in. You don't have to do that. And it gives writers so much more flexibility. And it was my biggest knock on Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek, um, The Orville, was that he was so caught up in the old style of Star Trek that that's all they did. I mean, it was fine. It was enjoyable. And I still enjoyed that show. But I liked the modern story aesthetic that was coming from Discovery, that was coming from Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there was one thing I noticed, and I wanted to discuss it with you real quick. Sure. How did how did you feel about their usage of language? Because I, I talked about it in a couple of my reviews where, like, that one admiral, I can't remember her name right now. Um, oh, the one uh, who basically, like Foster or something like that? I can't, I, yeah. yeah. I, the one like that he, Picard goes to twice, and both times she, like, she, like curses him out. Yeah. Yeah. She goes, yeah. Like in the second episode, he's like, hey, I want you to give me a starship. And she's like, you got a lot of fucking balls. And I was like, <laughs> an admiral just said the, the F word. All right. Like, well, so it, I, I was I, so I've been reading a lot. Uh, I've been reading a lot of the side stuff and people's opinions and that kind of stuff. Just kind of get like a gauge of where people think that like what people think of this show um, beyond me. Like I always like to make my own thing, but I, I'm always interested to see like where. And I, I, there was obviously a lot of talk around language and such. And I, obviously, we know the the main reason is is this: in the '90s, you couldn't do it. Like, yeah. you just you, you could not swear on TV. It's that you know, in the '60s, you couldn't swear on TV. Like, it's just not. So I mean, I get it. It's the sense that you know, you they were they were trying to work around it as best they can. Um, when it, you know, and you know, one of the just a, a side thing like why Seinfeld I think is so brilliant is that. They would constantly talk about very, you know, dirty whatever things in these like very unique and w- ways to get around censors and such. Today yeah. you just don't have that problem, especially with HBO, CBS, All Access, all this. So I mean, I, I understand that, and I'm willing to overlook that to begin with. Um, but I mean, if you talk about who people are and like even in an evolved society or whatever, I mean, people swear. That's just that's just that's just who you know. It, and just to get whether, whether it's to get points across or because, you know, that's how you were raised or whatever, like there's a lot of reasons. Uh, but, you know, people have always had language to express things and dirty language and bad language to um, really accentuate a situation. Like I like, I, you know, I don't I don't have a lot of respect for people that swear every four seconds. Like it's like yeah. I feel like you never got out of high school at that point. It's like, come on, man, you don't need to. And it, it, is, it to me. It, yeah, there's definitely a distinct difference between using it like an exclamation point yeah and exactly. and you, you swear and being vulgar because those are the yeah there's a difference use yeah using like you, swearing all the time i think it loses its meaning like i you know i don't care that you're saying the f word all the time because you say it all the time like it's just i i don't really want to associate with you because it it's not that it doesn't not necessarily that makes me uncomfortable but i i don't see the purpose like you're just you're just making people feel uncomfortable to make to make people feel uncomfortable at that point but like you have like a really bad like moment or day or you do something really bad happens and you just like you just scream a swear word or something like that like what like oh okay like i get that and that's kind of how they use it in the show and i'm completely i'm actually completely okay with it um I, I think they kind of the admiral one was the one that I was like, especially since he did it twice, basically. Yeah. Like, I kind of 
the first time, fine, because like, okay, where the hell have you been for the last 20 years? Why are you now coming? Okay. Well, now yeah. he's like, hey, no, I've been right. Look, I have proof. And she did it again. And I'm like, okay, that's a little maybe that you know, was a little gratuitous, but I took yeah. it the other I took it the other way around though. Like when she did it again, I was like, oh, she she just she loves the F word. Like <laughs> that's kind of the way I, that's kind of the way I pictured it. I was like, she's just one of those admirals. Because as somebody who's in the military, you do have certain commanding officers that are like really, really like high and full like they're very classy and they won't say things like that. And then you have other ones that curse like every other word. So yeah. like she's she's one of the ones that likes to curse and that's you know, hey, that's cool, you know, whatever. Like that's an interesting way to look at it. See, I, I yeah. don't have the I don't have a military background, but I, I know those I, I've met people on both sides of that too, uh, throughout the years. You know, officers and such who would never say a bad word, you know, the, the perfect English gentleman vernacular, you know, versus There's a reason that they say curse like a sailor, you know? Like yes. <laughs> Yeah. And technically they are all sailors if you really want to break it down. These these are naval officers if if true. you're really looking at the way it's set up. So very true, very true. Yeah. yeah. I just I'm a bit I'm not you're never gonna hear me say whether it's Star Trek, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's Doctor Who, even though I'm not really familiar with Doctor Who, you're never going to hear me say, oh, well, this isn't my ex. Like, they're, this isn't my Star Trek uh, because they've changed too much and the language is different and the storytelling is different. It's not my Star Trek. Like, it is. It's it's all Star Trek. Like, it, it needed to change. It was dying. It was it was stagnant. Like, oh, after, for sure. And it, after Enterprise, it was a mess and it needed to be overhauled. And I love what they're doing. And maybe it'll get to a point where it's too much. And you're just like, all right, like I've I've seen enough of this new shit. And honestly, they did that in Star Trek Discovery Season 2. At the end of Star Trek uh, uh, Discovery Season 2, they literally have like 15 minutes of monologues for like six different characters. And it's like, I, I just shut up and fight already. Just have this big fight. I don't care. Like you've you've literally talked talked me out of being interested in seeing this fight, like, <laughs> and, and and hopefully they they took they took any uh, criticism that was given. But Picard didn't do that, and Picard's the talker. Like Picard That's a good didn't, point. He yeah. didn't talk you out of the series at all. He was never like there were times in Next Generation where you're just like, all right, I've had enough of these speeches, man. But like he did not do that in this one at all. I I would agree with that. Yeah, I. Uh... It's I because I, I look back in this like if when the next generation came out, they went the original series route and just made this this not that, you know, TNG didn't have its campy episodes and campy campy esque side of things. But if they went full camp, like no one would have watched the show like it it had to evolve like it was a different audience. And I saw the same thing with, you know, with uh, with Voyager, with all of these, like they had to kind of do something different to get to because you know, that's. You're never going to be honest about the times unless you're honest about the scripts and things. Like if you really want this to represent, you know, what Star Trek always has is the, you know, a, a idealist vision of the future uh, uh, in a in the sense that looking through a lens of today, it, it absolutely that is the core of it. You know, that's the core of Star Trek the way I look yeah. at it. Um, so if you're not going to do that then you're not really being honest to that to me is being honest to the Roddenberry vision in, in my opinion. Yeah. And there's, 
I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. And like a lot of people complain, they're like, oh, well, well, Star Trek was this idealized society and they're not doing that anymore because humanity has all these problems and there's all these corrupt admirals and things like that. Like, I honestly think that that's better because it, it's more human because that's more realistic. It, it's it's Roddenberry's vision was for, you know, humanity to, to unite and they have to a certain degree. But it's like a percentage thing. Like most of us are on board. There's just some some dickheads left over that we just can't, sure. you know, you, you can't well, breed out. You can't breed out assholes. It's just part of what humanity is. And so. look at, you know, the undiscovered country. Like yeah. I, I look, I go back to that movie and like you literally had like high ranking officials in both the Klingon, i.e. the Russian and and the U.S. you know, and the Federation Empire there. Um like converting to keep the war going like they yep. ally to keep fighting each other like that's kind of like a theme by the end of no spoiler warning at this i mean the movie's how old now but like 30 years old yeah exactly yeah exactly so i'm, I'm not a huge spoiler but yeah a little nah. spoiler uh but yeah like that's that's a major theme of that movie and like literally these are people that are trying to keep the fight going because that's all they know and that's all they understand uh from this so yeah, I mean, even in the even in those, and again, Roddenberry was still around and uh, heavily influencing those characters and those movies and such. It's, he understood that. So, I mean, I, I look at that as like, no, he got it. Yeah, it's an idealized version. Yeah, we're always fighting to be better. And I yeah. think that's the point: is that you know we're gonna slip up. There's gonna be people that won't get it. There's gonna be people that, but we're always working towards progress and towards unity and towards something beyond where we're at now. And I think that's that's the real vision, and that's what I see heavily in Picard is, you know, Jean-Luc trying to using his experience that he has now and his trauma and trying to channel it into something that, you know, you're trying to bring a whole new race of, of uh, beings into, um, into the fold and keep, you know, preventing Ragnarok and preventing these bad things from happening. Yes. But only not necessarily because of that, but because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and that's what I saw a lot of there. Yeah. I'm, Absolutely. I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, what I thought was interesting was holistically across the board, and we mentioned this at the beginning, is we really got to delve into and almost to a degree where it was not unsettling, but like it was almost eye rolling where you're like, fuck, did anybody have a normal, regular life? Um, <laughs> the amount of trauma that everybody had to deal with, because it was, well, Picard, for one, like you mentioned it at the beginning with with him on the Borg cube. If you think about it, that was the first time he'd been on a Borg cube since he had been assimilated. Yeah. So he he literally never dealt with it. It never like, had to. And no. Yeah, it was one of those things where, in first contact, they go into a little bit, and I think he was, you know, he was really in that revenge mindset. Um, yeah. But again, I mean, what what was the beginning of Star Trek: First Contact? Which you know, I thought that movie was brilliant in so many ways, but like. The Federation was like, yeah, you are. I don't care that you are on the most advanced enterprise we've ever built. I don't care that you're one of the best Starfleet captains we have. You were one of them, and this is affecting you. There's no way this can't affect you. You are not coming into this battle. You are not defending the Earth right now. So they send them out in the clouds in the you know deep part of space somewhere, just to be as far away from the battle as they can. And then uh, they start listening in, and uh, things are going very poorly, of course, which is what brings them into the fold. And you know, the, just even Starfleet in that movie knew that this is going to be a thing um, and probably kept him away from a lot of that trauma and a lot of that as, be as best they could. And then he literally gets to use, use those demons and fight them like head on face to face throughout the rest of the movie while trying to save, you know, again, save humankind, save humanity and all that. Um, 
but yeah, I he never had a chance to deal with it. And I think that's that's where trauma really comes from. It's like you never really address or deal with uh, the stimuli that really you know affect you so much. And I think the other one is, I mean, the we did we amazing. We haven't even really talked about it at this point too. But you know, Data's death and how he never really got oh, over yeah. that. That's the thing we we left Picard with. Him. It, nemesis he's completely haunted by his friend's death and you know things that were unsaid and i mean it's really kind of funny i said in my review but like literally they did an entire season of star trek picard was to undo the failure of uh nemesis (laughs) (laughs) in so many ways it's like oh we have to we got to bring data back so they can have a goodbye and we can you know yada 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 but um yeah i i just those two things and how those two events just completely define who Jean-Luc Picard is after he's done with the Federation, you know, writing history books and just kind of stepping away from all things, you know, act, you know, doing all the things that he could do to like make life better and then trying to find that person again and bring him back. I think that was just, they did a really yeah. good, I, I think the studios just did a really good job in making that all uh, work out well, I think. It did. And they, and they did something that hasn't really been done in, in like action sci-fi is their solution to trauma was love because how did Hugh help him? I'm here for you. And he hugged him and he's like, we'll get through this together. But also going into those other Starfleet officers, Rafi was fucked up because of what happened. Because basically like her whole career hinged on Picard because she, she basically was like, I get to be first. I get to be the XO for Admiral Jean-Luc Picard, the most famous captain in Starfleet right now. And then he ends up quitting her career gets tanked because like she had this like conspiracy theory of what was going on. And by the way, she was a hundred percent goddamn correct, but mm-hmm. she knew she was right. But everybody kept telling her how wrong she was that messed with her head. She turned to the bottle. She turned to drugs and like it ruined her career. She's basically like one of the funny things we were, I was joking about this with somebody else on another podcast. We were joking that like, uh, apparently even in the 24th century, we haven't gotten rid of trailer parks yet. Because <laughs> poor, poor Rafi's living in a trailer park, and like she, she calls Picard out. She calls the 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 hero of the day, the guy that everybody like thinks is the greatest thing ever. She's just like, oh, what was it easy for you? Um, in your, was it easy for you in your retirement in your nice chateau <laughs> with your with your old dusty books? Like she called him the fuck out, and like. Oh, yeah. She made and she made excellent points, too. That was the other thing is like she she literally took him to task for it. And like you got to see that the things that make heroes heroic can also be the things that that are their downfall. Like it's both a strength and a weakness, like his pride, his um, stubbornness were, were the reasons why all of that fell apart and it ruined her life. But like, how did um, how did Rios help her with it? through through love and compassion like it like he went and she's laying in her bed he checks on her and he's like you doing all right you doing okay like you know how can i help you through this and then vice versa rios uh he she does it for rios when mm-hmm. we find out what actually happened on the ibn majid and we find out that like she's that he's seen somebody that looks exactly like soji and that his captain that android and then felt so yeah. bad that he blew his own brains out like it's like they it's sat powerful. down and they talked it out and and they 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 dealt with it exactly same thing with soji soji had some shit to deal with too because she was like 
I'm a I'm a regular human girl. And then it's like, haha, no, you're not. You're a robot. And everything like, about she's a lie. <laughs> exactly. And like and who ended up who ended up helping her with her trauma? Fucking Kestra. Kestra was like, hey, you know, Picard's pretty cool. You know, you guys could be a family together. And it was like it was just this awesome message of like instead of what is often the message for people, uh, like especially for guys, like how do you deal with your trauma? Oh, well, just suck it up. You know, guys aren't supposed to show their emotions. Toxic no, that was never. Yeah, exactly. There was no toxic masculinity at all in this. They dealt with it the way it should have been done through. Let's talk this out. Let's find a, a healthy way to solve your problems. And it was it, it was. It was a nice change of pace from what we see, and I'm glad that they continue the trend that we're starting to see in media. For sure. And I think, like, I, I really want to get a little bit into each character. I know, I know we're probably already, we're already getting – I could talk about this for, like, hours, but um, I definitely want to get a little bit of each character. I, the other thing I really like about – it's also letting people address it on their time frame. Like, after Rafi has her, her moment with her son and comes back, she returns to the bottle. Like, Rios, Picard, none of them were like, oh, no, let me grab that bottle. No, you, you can't do that. Hey, you, can't, you have to stop this. You, you, you're going to destroy yourself again. Like, no, like, she has to address it in her own way, in her own timeline. And there will be a time, as everybody has, to comfort her, to give her that, you know, that shoulder to lean on, that person to be there for her. Like, there's... It doesn't have to be right now. And I think, you know, the other challenge with people that are trying to help, I see a lot today, is people want to do something right now. They have to, they don't care about the other person's like time, mindset, time frame. They want to be the helper. They want to be the hero, not the person, not like actually help the person. It's more for that look, I think. And I, again, you, I think you kind of see everybody kind of address things in their own way. Like when, and again, you, you said it, you mentioned it too, when uh, Rios is going through his, um, withdrawal moment and Rafi kind of like hey you know thought you might need a friend he t- basically yeah, and tells her to shove off and she she goes okay <laughs> doesn't like get mad doesn't like yell at him back or anything like that just like okay get it and then she cuts out and then she tries again a little bit later like uh again that that whole idea of how to deal with trauma and you know, even in that sense of not getting in there, not even going in too hot, not going in too cold. Not, like there is a particular way you want to uh, address somebody. And again, looking at how they're dealing with it already, you know, is this just like a quick relapse? Like with Rios when he um, like a trigger, you know, dealing with triggers, um, yeah. seeing Soji and, and her reminding her of Jana. And all that. And he has to kind of – he locks himself in his room. He pulls out all his things. He does what he knows he needs to do to, like, get through it. And then, then he lets Rafi in. Then he explains why he was so shooken up. Then he kind of – and again, that is a very human and realistic um, way. Like, I, you know, when I talk to people that have dealt with traumas and such, it's – that's ex- – that is I almost line for line exactly how a lot of people deal with this stuff. Like, they lock themselves in their rooms. They listen to their music. They – might play a game they might watch a movie they might whatever um then, and then they'll come out and be like yo okay sorry about that i had i had to deal with this i'm sorry and then they go through it and try to either work it out you know if you're handling it healthily or you know sometimes people don't handle it healthy and they do something else but um rios is a really interesting character for me uh yeah. i i loved uh how the the ship uh, each part of it, each one of his um, hologram things were like a different side of his personality and had different, yeah. like, you know, accents and personalities and things. And it was kind of like, hey, all of you together make Rios. So let me figure, the, you know, and then Rafi having a conversation with all. I, again, how unique and interesting is that just to kind of like see that? I'm sure, first off, uh, Santiago 
uh, was it Cabrera? I think his last name is. Yeah. Um, he must have had a fun time acting that. Just that, must to kind been, of be, that must have been a blast. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Wearing different outfits and the accents and personalities and all that, and then kind of just kind of do different parts, like while um, Michelle Hurd sitting in the room, but but for that part of the series itself, just to be like, Hey, look, these are all aspects of his personality that are, you know, that are all part of him, but each part comes out in different ways and at different times. So, and then Rafi literally uses like those holograms to figure out what the hell is going on. (laughs) Um, I just thought that was brilliant and really, really fun and interesting and a, a very Star Trek like hammy moment too, but that was like appropriate for the series. Yeah, they they did take a very Star Trek approach to it, too, where it was like, let's take the facts that we have and extrapolate the data and figure out a solution, because that was a very like old school Trek solution. And I thought that was really cool. But yeah, like it's yeah, I mean, everybody like like we mentioned before, seven of nine dealing with her trauma of like she gets back from the Delta Quadrant with the crew of Voyager. And it's it almost seemed like they didn't really care. They were just kind of like, well, why are you here, Borg? Like it's. And it's kind of messed up when you really think about like how they kind of treat her as well, because she should have been treated like, I mean, she, again, trauma, like she was assimilated as a child. Yeah. And she, she doesn't know. Okay. So kind of like my, my, my big point with all of this is like, there's still some racism left over in the Federation because they basically told Picard, like, hey, we don't really want to help the Romulans because they were kind of dicks to us before. And Picard standing on his moral high ground and saying it doesn't matter if they're Romulan lives, it's lives. Like, you, you can't differentiate that because there are good Romulans. We saw them, the, the two that were working on the vineyard and that were like his personal assistants and bodyguards. Um, so, like, he made, Picard made a really good point, but, like, you kind of got to see that the Federation was not all altruistic. Like, that your heroes are not always... Like you mentioned in Star Trek Six, they're not always without fault. And I, I thought that that was a powerful message that you still have to find a way to make that stuff work. You still have to find a way to make your message be heard, but also, too, that you don't just give up because the government says you give up. Yeah, like there the, the, and there's different ways at different times to go about things for sure. Um, that I, I definitely see that for sure in the way that and I, I think Picard also addresses that himself with the Borg because he's like he's sitting there trying to help the Romulans which again even as far back as Nemesis hey they actually had help in the battle from Romulans against uh, Shinzon and the Remans and the Romans that were allied with them like they're not all bad even back then and he has his two attendants and he has um, other Romulans in the Federation you know not all that different from Worf being in the Federation when the Klingons and them were kind of uh, warring a little bit Um, and dealing with like their hey we're in peacetime but we aren't doing great right now um i i, I definitely see uh that working out and again with seven it was seven and nine coming back like you're right like she had this very supportive ship on voyager you know helping her kind of get back and find her humanity and figure out who she was again and then she returns and it's like wait there really isn't a place for me here outside of it's almost like you work at a summer camp and you come back and like <laughs> you you have all these great things that happen at camp and you have this like little community of people and like you all rely on each other to get through uh, all the stuff you deal with and then like that ends and it's like oh yeah there's a whole world out here like okay like not that you can't take lessons from that or like that but it's like i i, I equated to like a similar message uh if you've ever had that experience but oh yeah uh, for sure yeah it, it's the world is not you you're in this microcosm you're in this tiny like in like correct. world within a world 
And then once you're back in the, the big world, you know, back in like reality, so to speak, it's it's not the same as it was. And you kind of miss that. And like, yeah, that for sure, because like we saw that with a lot of these people, too, because like they end up going out into the world and things are not what they used to be like when they were on a starship. Like they're they're like a fish out of water. And like Picard saw that, like he even said that, too. He said, you know, I, I've never felt comfortable at home, basically. Yeah. And which is that, a common thing. Among, again, a common thing among soldiers and military folks is, you yeah. know, I'm not used to not being in the middle of the action. I'm not used to not having a purpose or not having having to come up with my own purpose or, you know, similar similar types of thoughts. Uh, when I listen to people that have come back and especially especially when they are actually in battle zones or commanding and whatnot, it's like, hey, now what do I do uh, like write books? OK, like like, like I, I definitely see that that former soldier mindset come back in, in Picard and the way that he addresses all that. But yeah. So let's let's go ahead and kind of wrap things up here. Um, like we talked about, like what we liked um, for, I mean, for the most part, like mm-hmm. um, I. I'm a nerd when it comes to Star Trek and I, and I want to see like the ships. I want to see like what the Federation looks like. Um, and I got to see that a little bit. I was hoping for a little bit more. I was hoping we would see the enterprise. Um, yeah. Cause I'm one, I want to know who's in command Two, I want to know what the new enterprise F I'm assuming is at this point. I want to know what that looks like. Um, so I've been reading up a little bit on some of that stuff too. Yeah. I actually know who's in, who's, who's commanding the enterprise and all that stuff from like the side stuff that's been going on. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be Worf. Supposedly. Um, yeah. It's supposedly supposed to be. Worf, supposed to be yeah. And like the enterprise is no, it, like it's still a similar enterprise. It's no longer like the advanced ship anymore. Like it's like technologically it's been like leapfrogged by like the Shanghai and all that stuff, which by the way, I really liked, uh, the naming structure for the new ships. Um, I, from what I understand, like the Shanghai was a uh, a warrior during the Three Kingdoms era in China. And from what I understand, all the new ships are named after like important people in Eastern cultures because they felt like those things were kind of ignored in the original series and Next Generation, all that. So from what I, I haven't heard, I haven't heard any of the official other names of the ships that were there, but they're yeah. trying to like bring that into uh, that, which I think again is really kind of cool to bring that uh, side of things into. Uh, that culture and that part of uh, history into the Federation uh, in a very small way, but a really cool way, I think. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think the it would have been cool to see more technology and more of like the universe now. Um, but I, don't, I also don't know if we're going to get that. And that's a lot of that with Picard, because it seems like, again, like they really want to tell these like long stories about characters. And I don't know if they're ever going to kind of get to that point where there's going to be flat out wars and things like, yeah, it'll be, inter- I don't know. I'll be really interested to see, um, where things go, uh, as far as uh, the next seasons and what thing, all I, I will say one thing, if they try to bring data back again, I will then not be okay with it. <laughs> yeah. They, I think his storyline is wrapped up at this point. They gave him the perfect ending. And yes. The fact that, like, he could have lived on forever, but he's like, that's not what I want. And, like, that was... It's fantastic, you know? Oh, yeah. It was like, he got to he got to choose twice. He, one, he chose to set, sacrifice his life to save uh, Picard uh, in, at the end of Nemesis. But two, he got to choose again. Yeah. And, like, that, that was... That was fantastic. Because, I mean, you literally... Like, Soong, Dr. Soong could have created another body for him. Mm-hmm. He's, at he's any point. Pre- yeah, he's created all of these other androids that are walking around this compound. He literally could have put Data's mind in one of those things, and he didn't. And that's what makes this awesome is that they're following 
the rules. They're treating them like like living beings. Like you ask Data, do you want to live? And he's like, no, I don't. You know, I wanted to die because that's what would happen to a human. And like that's that's all. Awesome. Well, and his point is life and mortality have meaning precisely because it's limited and it's, it's finite. finite. And yeah. I thought that was a fantastic message um, that I really haven't heard in a while. I know a lot of science fiction, a lot of a lot of shows have gone through that in different ways. But to spell it out like that and the way that they did it, I think, is really because there's a lot of people I feel there's so many people today uh, when I in my travels and the things I talk to people I talk to that really feel like they don't have a purpose. They don't understand where they're going. They don't know what where what, you know, they feel lost, I think. And I really think that. You know, that is like a motivating factor to help you find things like, hey, you only have so much time on this planet to do what you want to do. And, you know, it doesn't have to be right or wrong. It doesn't have to necessarily be the perfect thing. It doesn't have to be the, you know, that was the other message I really like too, actually, is because they're kind of linked is, you know, Picard at one point says, I let the perfect become the enemy of the good. Yes. Um, and I think those are two threads I, I see in, you know, they, they, they spell them out in those lines, but they also show them in different ways throughout the, this series is, you know, those are two things I see a lot of people stepping on and having trouble with today. And I thought those are great messages uh, and through amazing things to kind of leave <laughs> with a viewer to like to, to kind of ponder over, in my opinion. But Well, especially, too, because of like our current political climate where everybody like will see the various political candidates that are running and they'll say, well, this person is, is great for this and they're better than the person that's currently in office. However, they have this one fault and therefore I will never vote for them because they're not this. And it's like, yes, you're letting the perfect get in the way of the good. And yeah. like, they're not, they're, they're completely missing that. And I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It was a, it was a wonderful message. Um, just overall, the whole series had a wonderful message that like, of of family and that was something that that Picard that that next generation did way better than um the original series the original series it was Kirk Spock and McCoy they were they were tight knit they were close they were that was the family unit but yes. as far as everybody else as far as the next generation it was that whole command crew they yeah. were family and you saw that and that was that was awesome and yeah it was about getting over traumatic experiences and and how do you do it you do it through love and compassion and understanding not through yelling and screaming and forcing people to obey but like yeah. people hiding behind religious beliefs and dictating how everyone has to believe and how how the I mean, not the world view, but this would be, you know, the universe view, the galaxy view has to be because of your religious convictions. It, it was was I, I got that and I really appreciated that message. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the only thing I and we haven't talked about too much about her in this. Um, the one thing I would have liked to have really seen, I, I talked about this in my thing, and I think a little bit offline of this with you. I really wanted Soji and Data to have a moment. And again, I know why they yeah. didn't do it. I know why they didn't do it. It's more about Data and Picard, you know, and all that. But like, this is your one chance. It, it, it's like I, I think about this like this is the one chance you have to talk to your father. You know, it's like you you know, separated, you know, I think about, hey, you're separated at birth and you don't know who this person is. And then you find out when they're on their deathbed who it is and like, what would they say? What would they do? What, what questions would you ask? What I think that could have been a phenomenally powerful and interesting uh, piece of like moment. And I think you would have I think it would have been right to end it with Picard and Data for sure. And Picard, you know, ending it. But like, I think that moment, even if it was only five minutes, you know. 
before that, you know, I think that would have been a really powerful, interesting thing to see. Like what, what would, what would a person in that even ask? Like what would, like, I would have loved to have seen what the, uh, creators would have done for that. And I, I th- that was, I think was a, a, a missed opportunity in Trek lore for me personally, but I don't know. How did, how did you feel about that? Well, let me give you a, a modern comparison. Uh, there's a Disney movie or a Pixar Disney movie that just came out on Disney plus. It was in the theaters recently, but because of coronavirus quarantine, they put it on Disney plus and it's uh, onward. Okay. And I've heard of it. I haven't actually seen it yet. I can't spoil it for you. Because okay. if you haven't seen it, then I can't talk about it anymore because like so I can't really use this analogy, um, but I'll, I'll come up with another one. Um, if, if you've seen it, if you've seen Onward, then you, you kind of know where I'm going with this, that there, there's there's a reason for for that. And the, the analogy works really, really well. So definitely watch the movie, Russ, and then you'll understand it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk but about like, it offline. Yeah, <laughs> think, think of it. Think of it like this. Um you do it twice once with soji once with picard and it cheapens the 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 meaning of the picard data thing because ultimately it's not star trek soji it's star trek picard no i get yeah, yeah. i understand that i understand why they i understand yeah. the why's behind what like doing it that way um i think that would have i i, I again, it would have been cool i totally agree yeah yeah i well yeah and i think it but again as much as this is picard's story and it's named after him i mean there were two things they showed from episode one and the whole series was these two Soji and Picard coming together. Like the first several episodes and even the way they cut it, like they cut, like the beginning was very long, like drawn out scenes with Picard. Then they'd show a very long drawn out scenes with Soji. And the closer they got to coming together and meeting the quicker and quicker they would cut back and forth between, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, the way they set that up, but it really is. I mean, and again, the whole point was that, you know, finding family and finding, and really Soji found her family in Picard. And, but again, you also know who your dad is. I, I, I just think even with that, even with that knowledge, I think it would have been, I still think it would have been more powerful to have uh, that moment. But yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's an agree to disagree point, I think for sure. But yeah. Personally, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been good. I mean, it just like, I, I feel like it's, I understand why they didn't do it. And Watch Onward, and then you'll understand what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> so, give you a little bit of homework here. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, like, um, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap up here. I want to I want to thank you though because for such a long time, GGR was essentially a me and Steve vehicle. Um, it was just our voices, and that was it. And you are part of a new crop of, or you know, a next generation, if you will, of writers. <laughs> of writers and contributors for our, our uh, website. And you're making this a better place to be because of the more voices you add, the better you get more diversity, you get more opinions, you get more insight on, into things that maybe like I never would have seen or Steve wouldn't have seen. And like, I just wanted to thank you for, for what you did for writing up these Star Trek Picard episodes, but also for the other uh, articles that you've written so far too. But also too, man, like this was the first time we've had you on the podcast and you did a hell of a job, dude. So we're definitely <laughs> going to have you, have you come back for more of this. Please. Um, oh, I, and thank you for bringing me on yeah, board and for, you know, course. let me share my, uh, share my opinion, share my writing and all that. Um, I've been, I've been in other vehicles like this before, like YouTube and such, but this has been really comfortable and a nice transition. And uh, especially with my ridiculous schedule, it fits in perfectly. And it's, and it's really cool to talk to other folks that I don't get to 
you know, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know you all that well. It's really interesting how, how our story came together here. You know, we, we basically met at Steve's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we met at Steve's wedding. We had milkshakes at a uh, steak and shake. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and this, and, and where this is led, I mean, which is, again, if that's not life itself in Carter, I don't know what it is, but yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been very fun. I look forward to continuing to contribute. I hope, uh, you know, I hope people are reading it and enjoying it. And I loved, I always love hearing, uh, different uh, points of view and co comments and such. So if I ever have an article, if I ever have a podcast, anything like that, and uh, you want to share your thoughts, I love hearing it, whether you agree or not. <laughs> I love it. You guys can find him on uh, GGR under uh, Opaque Senator. So if you search under authors, you'll see that. But he's mostly in movies and TV reviews, but he also does some video game stuff as well. Uh, he's on Twitter. It's at uh, Opaque Senator. You can check him out there, but he's on our Facebook page uh, as well. He's in the GGR group page a lot, uh, contributing all the funny and goofy memes that we all like to share. Um, so in summation, uh, watch Star Trek Picard. It, it's something that you should spend some time on. Um, it, it's, it's definitely worth your time. It, it's a it, it's a perfect amalgam of the old series, the heart and soul of the next generation with the messages that it had and the the soul that it had like of answering these questions are are is artificial intelligence living beings are are they are they um considered sentient and then taking that into a modern uh, aesthetic so that that's kind of our, our wrap up on this one so guys that'll do it for another episode of mike on the mic on the ggr pirate radio network thank you so much for tuning in and remember guys don't be a juice bag oh hey wash your damn hands <laughs> please yes please do <laughs> all right take it easy guys bye right, for me Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy! <laughs> <laughs>